0: this is so cute welcome sorry i'm jumping the gun looking at my cocktail it's cram
1: and time on the rocks and we're here with our pretty little cocktail we're here with brains and beauty Aw, thanks no i meant the drink not you (laughs) (laughs) i think we both have brains and beauty okay in our hands that we're about to drink (laughs)
0: Well, as I was saying earlier this morning, I just want somebody to pat me on the ass and tell me I'm pretty, so, you know, (laughs) I guess the beauty part anyway.
1: So, anyway, this is a cocktail. It's one ounce of gin, a half ounce of apricot liqueur, but I had to use apricot brandy because I couldn't find apricot liqueur. Okay. I don't know if there's a difference. A half ounce of lime juice, half ounce simple syrup, three dashes of apple bitters, and an ounce of champagne.
0: Okay. I'm not super excited about the apricot part because I'm not a sweet person but we'll see
1: it might not be sweet it might not be okay let's try it okay it's a little sweet I taste the apricot I can totally taste the apricot I don't well I've only had one sip but it's not too much for me right now I'll sip on it I can see by your face that it's too much for you too much for me it also has simple syrup in it so
0: a lot of sugar
1: a lot of sugar remember
0: that one that we drank that had the like dissolved sugar in it and made Mm -hmm. our jaws hurt there was Mm -hmm. so much sugar in it oh yeah I might be sending one of the children to fetch baby beers from the fridge
1: yeah it tastes a little bit like apricot nectar mixed with champagne <sighs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind it's of, a lot how, of sweet yeah it's a lot of sweet
0: I'm sweet enough I don't need extra sweets
1: so anyway yeah it's in a coupe glass so you shake all the ingredients except for the champagne yeah pour it's it's in, a lot of bubbles. yeah and then pour the champagne in to top it it's, it's pretty. pretty it's a nice peach color kind of mm-hmm. like a mango peach color
0: yeah apricotty Apricoty. so what
1: who goes first I don't know do you want to go first I can
0: me? I can I can
1: mine's okay. kind of a downer
0: oh well then do we want to end on a happy or end on a downer mine gets happy-ish to the end it's got downer moments
1: you go okay all right so
0: Hedvig Eva Maria Kiesler that's a lot of names that's a lot of names she was born on <laughs> November 9th 1914 in Vienna Austria her parents were Jewish. Her mother was a pianist and her father was a banker and they were very successful. They lived in an upper middle-class area of Vienna. It was the artistic quarter. It was very fashionable. She grew up surrounded by art and theater. She just had this beautiful little middle-class
1: existence. It sounds better than middle-class.
0: Yeah, well a little bit probably. Um, You know, banker after all. Um, So she, I heard an actual interview With her so okay in doing my research i looked up this person and there was a pbs documentary thing on them the american masters or whatever it was so then i go to the pbs website to do it to watch it and you had to become a member and i didn't
1: that's how they get you it's supposed to be public but you can't actually access Access it it. (laughs) yes
0: so i just went to youtube (laughs) found a different one this is from a biography done on her from 2011 anyway i did see an interview with the female director who did the pbs special and i'll talk about that later but so they had this person talking and she was talking about how when her her mother one day said that she had a little treat for her if she was very good and she took her to the theater and she was hooked she was like like movies or movies yes this is what i want to do i want to be in movies i'm gonna be a star blah 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 and then it just lucked out that she was pretty. <laughs> so before she even made any like attempts, she was noticed because of her beauty. So by age 16, she was already getting small roles in the Viennan film industry, which was just going huge. However, she was 16 in Vienna in 1930. Dun dun dun. Yeah, it's a history podcast, so. There's bad things coming up in yeah. Vienna in the 30s. <laughs> just a warning. <laughs> Why am I still drinking that? No. So critics loved her. They declared her the most beautiful wor- girl in the world. She was an overnight sensation in Austria. But that's not enough. She wants out of Austria. She wants more. I'm going to trade this because I just can't anymore. You are welcome to have it. Um, but she wants more. So in August 1931, she's 17. She leaves Vienna for Berlin because there's more that's more the heart of the european film industry um there's more it kind of like the beginning hollywood but for europe was berlin berlin sadly it was 1931 and that was probably that change, quickly so. got crushed yes so the nazis are getting more power hitler is blaming the jews for the economic depression but german filmmakers are still working and so she did quite a few films in berlin and she also worked in live theater in berlin in 1932 she was cast as ava in this fantastically controversial czechoslovakian film called ecstasy Ooh, yes it was very scandalous she the movie ava in the movie a young woman meets and marries a older man and then falls in love with a younger man because the older man doesn't pay any attention to her because he's making money and this was i wrote in my notes it wrote this was a sexy movie with a capital s there's a scene
1: it's where called ecstasy it's called so. ecstasy
0: right there's a scene where she apparently runs um from the bushes to the lake completely nude and then swims in the nude you can still look it up on youtube and there's pictures of her on the internet and there's pictures stills from the shots oh i'm gonna have to look at that yeah so she's i saw an interview with her later on the merv griffin show which i'll talk about more later too and she's like I didn't know they had zoom lenses. I had no idea. None of that was supposed to be in the film. I was just running through the bushes, and I had no idea that they were going to be that close. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. She's a 17-year-old kid. The movie was released on February 18th 1933 in Vienna. Some called it a tasteful erotic art. Others called it porn. They banned it in Germany, in the United States, and the Pope banned it. Well, the Pope...
1: Wouldn't really be like the exclamation point for me. It should have been like the Pope banned it. So did Germany and the United States. Okay,
0: I'm sorry. I didn't put that in the correct order.
1: Especially because I guess she's Jewish. So she would It'd be like, it. now spare. if you're like ISIS banned it. <laughs> but
0: so, you know, if you want to be famous, what do you do? You create a film that gets banned. Very true. Yeah. So European, she's still like an art house indie type actress and the she people seems think cool, she's though. awesome she's totally cool wait until i tell you who she is you probably figured it out by now and hollywood she's literally making headlines she's not even in america yet and she's making headlines with this movie people are talking about her so at this time she i don't know why she did this but she decides to get married and she meets this man his name was fritz mandel he was a wealthy austrian catholic businessman he was 13 years older than her she was not yet 20 years old when they got married.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah.
0: And he, he was of Jewish ancestry, but he was um, Catholic. So in May of 1933, they were engaged and she announced her retirement. She's made this one movie and now she's announcing her retirement. They were married in August, on August 10th, 1933 in Vienna. They toured Europe for a honeymoon, very fashionable, went all around and saw all the things and then they return to Austria in January, 1934. And she has a massive house with servants and cooks. And she's just absolutely living the high life. And they're having these fabulous dinner parties with these wonderful guests that That's she's what supposed to entertain. people don't have
1: dinner parties enough anymore.
0: No. Well, I wouldn't want to go to this dinner party. But these I'm dinner parties.
1: Just saying, like, yes. in general. In
0: general, they don't. We should have a dinner party. We should have a dinner Let's party. Let's have a dinner party. We yes. can invite very fashionably smart people.
1: We could like we do can we and anything? we'll seat them in a, a way to encourage conversation, conversation.
0: yeah that let's do a good it idea. okay that's on our list we try to do that we always talk about the party where no one came so she's she's kind of stuck in this house where she's expected to be the consummate hostess and she's she's doing that but she wants to be a little freer um but at m- many of these dinner parties she's entertaining guests like sigmund freud other
1: guests
0: like Benito Mussolini and Adolf
1: Hitler you know they're all on my guest list I had a roommate years ago in college whose um ancestry was from Hungary Uh and her dad grew up in Hungary and one of his prized possessions was a Benito Mussolini doll wow yeah okay it was like not an action figure like an actual just doll. doll
0: that's interesting so, anyway, turns out that her very, a little bit older, very fancy husband, very rich husband um, is an arms dealer who's making deals with fascists. I was just about to ask, like,
1: <laughs> what does he do?
0: <laughs> he sells guns to bad guys. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so she doesn't like this. And she, oh, she talked about this in their interview with Merv Griffin, too, or maybe it's in her biography. She's trying to get away from him. So, it's it's the typical, like, you know kept wife and she's trying to get away from him she's trying to sneak away and she tried multiple times to sneak away and one of the times he was having the servants follow her and she ducked into a building that she saw on the street and it turned out to be a brothel <gasps> and she had to hide in the closet of the brothel and she's trying to tell all the hookers like don't tell don't tell don't tell
1: I'm not here I'm not here I bet all the guys in there were saying that too <laughs> right right
0: yeah. don't tell I'm not here I'm not here
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: anyway she finally gets away um, by 1935, there's bad, more bad things happening. The Nuremberg Laws were passed, and Jews were deprived of citizenship. She's very anti-fascist. She doesn't want to do this anymore. So in 1936, she decides, I just cannot be married to him anymore. I've got to get away. I
1: just can't.
0: I just can't. So she disguises herself as a maid, and she smuggled out a bag of jewels in the summer of 1937. And she went to London and... In London, she meets another man, but this man, kind of cool. He's happens to be the head of MGM. Ooh, mayor, like, Louis V mayor. That's perfect for her. Yes. So she meets him, and she finds out that he he's there to sign European actors that are fleeing from Hitler. So that's why he's in London. So she tries to get him to sign her, and he he's like, Yeah, sure, I'll take you. Here's your standard contract for the contract players at the time. And she's like, No, I don't want that. And he says, Well, sorry, chickie, bye and then you know being the moxie that she is she finds out what ship he's taking back home the normandy and she gets herself a ticket on that ship and she just pesters him the whole for the whole way to america so
1: being that i just got off of a ship (laughs) and it was a large ship much 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 larger than the normandy Uh there were people that pestered me not even intentionally (laughs) that i saw constantly that i'm like can you just go away yeah so i can imagine that
0: so she's just bugging him bugging him bugging him, bugging him. and so he finally says fine i will give you a contract it turned out to be a very lu- lucrative contract but there's two conditions you need to lose some weight glam yourself up and you've got to change your name heidi Kiesler just isn't gonna do it so she decided on at 22 years old, on July 13th, 1937, she becomes Hedy Lamar.
1: Hedy Lamar. Hedy Lamar Have you seen pictures of her? Yes. She's
0: gorgeous. Like, stunning, 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 gorgeous. So, she's now on her way to MGM, and she's going to be just the thing. So, in August, or July of 1930. I didn't write the other date. I'm guessing eight. Oh yeah, it was 1938. Cause I noticed it was July 13th of 1938 when she first met him on July 13th of 1937. So exactly one year later, her first Hollywood production comes up and it's Algiers. She has the lead role. It's an absolute hit, makes her a star in America. She's the thing. She's still like an art house actress to Hollywood or to Europe, but in Hollywood, she is a star. Um,
1: and in, so by this time was Hollywood like the main movie? Hollywood was the main okay. thing
0: because this is 1938
1: and her... Everything else has kind of like already been dwindling because of the war.
0: Yes. So her, in her country, um, Austria, gets taken over in 1938. And in on November 9th, 1938 was Kristallnacht. Mm-hmm. And so she's sitting here at home listening to all this news about all of the the Jewish businesses on that night. It was one night and they went through and they just
1: decimated
0: decimated it anything it was called crystal not because it was the night of the broken glass there was so much glass all over the ground because they broke everything everything and they took over 30,000 um, jewish men they this was the start of the concentration camps they mm-hmm. rounded them up that night took them to concentration camps um and she was very troubled because here she's at home working in her neighborhood her family her friends are all being just yeah tortured in this horrible regime completely terrorized yeah so she finally officially divorces Fritz in the spring of 1939 and then she starts a new whirlwind romance with gene Markle, I guess, I think that's how he pronounced his name. And he's a Playboy screenwriter and they were married in Mexico on March 4, 1939, exactly one month after they met that
1: she's quick i mean i guess if you look that beautiful you don't have to really spend too much time
0: they want to lock that down yeah if they get a date they're gonna ask you to marry him that night especially back then yeah so they get married at the governor's palace in mexico with three witnesses and the next year they adopt a baby boy named james and four months later on in october 1940 they get divorced (laughs)
1: so she's she's very quick at everything
0: <laughs> yes she's got a baby two marriages and she's 25. go girl
1: two marriages down yeah two she's marriages 25. down
0: so by this time europe is fully in war roosevelt was trying to stay out of it pearl harbor happened on december 7th 1941 um and within 24 hours we were we were in the war we couldn't stay out of it anymore Hollywood is big into trying to do their part. Hetty worked countless hours at the Hollywood Canteen. The Hollywood Canteen was a cafe, a dance hall, I guess, mm-hmm. that was open to all servicemen. The only thing you needed to get in was a uniform. And the stars actually did the cooking and the cleaning and the serving you and the girl, the pretty girls, the pretty starlets were there to dance with you. A lot of the older stars that had been more established would be like serving the food and stuff. And the new, kit, the new girls that they were trying to get promoted and get more noticed, they would send out to dance with the servicemen. That would be an easy job. Right? I mean, I guess you're volunteering. Yes, but... you're volunteering because you're not getting paid. It's part of your contracted time with the studio. But, um, you're quote unquote volunteering. Yes. You're voluntolding. Voluntolding. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, so she were countless hours there. There's so many stories about that. There's a podcast that I listened to where one of the young starlets that worked there was actually followed home by somebody. And they think that that was the same person that did the Black Dahlia. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting.
1: It was a, that was a fascinating series. I had, I think I I hadn't heard that podcast, but I had heard that fact before. Uh Uh-huh.
0: But so she's working there. She's selling war bonds. Um, she sold... 20, she went on a 16-city, 10-day tour to sell war bonds, and she sold $25 million in war bonds.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah.
0: But can you imagine going up to this beautiful girl, and she's like, will you buy a war bond? Of course you're going to buy it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you <laughs> don't support gorgeous. the war effort? <laughs> <laughs> she's gorgeous. Look her up. She's just so pretty. So she'd been playing, paying attention to the Battle of the Atlantic, and they needed supplies, she can't they can't so what's happening is Germany has pretty much cut off England you cannot get a ship into England and London is just being decimated they don't have supplies they don't have food because they're not able to get supplies to it every boat that goes out just gets shot down and because the radio frequencies I guess this got so over my head because I am not a science person But, so the radio frequencies are easily detectable and they can block them or jam them or intercept Uh them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they needed to try and figure out a way to...
1: Be able to communicate outside. To be able to communicate, yeah. Yeah,
0: Because, so they they set your torpedo and your torpedo goes off, but you cannot communicate with that torpedo anymore because the one frequency that you need... Got jammed. Could get jammed, yeah. Yeah. So she's looking at this and she's thinking on this and um, there's... So 75,000 people were killed. 14 millions of pounds of stuff was sunk in this. 14 million pounds. 14 million, pounds. million ton- tons. Oh, tons. 14 million tons of stuff was sunk. And 75,000 men were killed trying to get stuff by the U-boats, trying to get stuff to Europe. So the Allies just couldn't figure this out. They needed a way to guide their torpedoes once they're launched, but it needed to be secret so it couldn't get jammed. So around this time, Hetty's thinking on this, and there's a man named George Antonte, and he's a composer and concert pianist, and he's a little bit of a bad boy and kind of unpredictable, and she doesn't marry him.
1: I'm surprised. Just putting that out there. I'm surprised. <laughs>
0: that out there. They do stuff together, but she didn't marry him. So he's very famous. His most famous piece was called a ballet. It was kind of a ballet of sorts, but it wasn't a ballet of people. It was a ballet of pianos that makes sense yeah so he had 16 pianos and he had them synchronized and automated to play this piece oh wow in the 1940s which just seems super cool it was called the I wrote it down later on and I'll say it later on but so she's attending a a show of this one time and then she meets him at a dinner party later and she says hey I have an idea I need your help so she writes her name and phone number on lipstick, in lipstick on something and gives it to him.
1: And he thinks it's a different kind of idea. Right?
0: <laughs> because she's gorgeous. And why would a gorgeous person be smart in those days? Especially a girl. So they, because um, the studio had made her play dumb. And he actually stayed that, stated that later. He said, you know, she was so smart, but the pers- persona that the movie studio had created for her was stupid because that way men i guess it was
1: less threatening yes
0: yes i guess um because they could sell her beauty so he called her an intellectual giant oh wow yes for a man to say that about a woman in those days at all is incredible but so she needed him to create her idea and they came up with a radio-controlled torpedo guidance system so when she's like i know
1: how about a radio controlled guidance system Right.
0: which because she's smart and she's sitting at this dinner table with all of these you know guys like hitler and mussolini and she paid attention when she was married to fritz the arms dealer and listened to all them talking about how they could sink the submarines because they could jam the signals and she's like okay so we need to figure out a way to have the signal be on
1: multiple channels, channels. kind of how like your how your garage door opener works today where yeah. it rolls channels yeah
0: oh so full on the people that are listening to this podcast on their cell phone have Hetty lamar to thank for the fact that they're listening to this podcast it's it gets to there i'll get there later but it's she invented like mind we about, blowing yes like we were talking about zelda was the beginning of everything no Hetty lamar was the beginning of everything she created the world that we live in now is possible because of her invention brought to you by hedy lamar brought to you by hedy lamar of course though so that was the thing the director um the female director of the pbs series was told when she first started it that all the men that she was talking to told her well you know she didn't really do this she was a spy and she stole this from the nazis the nazis had this technology and she stole it from them she didn't come up with it on her own a don't care yeah B. good for her if she did right right but i don't think she did i think she
1: was i don't think she did either
0: so anyway so she's got this idea and she needs to figure it out so she figured out that if you can spread the signal across different radio signals and have it jump from one to the other randomly
1: you it can't be jammed that's exactly how your garage door opener works yeah and that's why like you can't get into your neighbor's garage door yes because it's a different
0: thing so the um ballet mechanic that's what it was called so he's the way he set up his piano is they could use it so they they got this thing going they got this whole design um they placed a transmitter and a receiver so they would, the idea was that there would be a transmitter and a receiver in the torpedo and in the launcher mm-hmm. and they would each have a piano roll perforated exactly the same
1: like from a player piano yes dun, 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 yeah. dun. so they're the
0: exact same thing and those holes will tell the computer or whatever it was in the member of the punch card things that you yes. would see on the computer so that's what these were and those pia- player piano
1: rolls would roll wait wait, through. wait wait did you just ask me if I remember the punch cards from computers <laughs> okay do you remember seeing the pictures of the punch cards? I'm not that old but yes I remember seeing pictures <laughs> I'm not that old either
0: but I've seen the pictures <laughs> of the punch cards of the computer thank you very much so that's the same concept of this and this piano roll is going and you start them at the exact same time and so the sh- guidance system and the torpedo are on the exact same frequency Frequency, hopping back and forth from these different frequencies but nobody on the outside knows it just those two things know it because of the role of the perforations in the player piano role going through them oh i totally get it's synchronized. it
1: it's like i've said it five times but it's exactly like your garage, garage door. door opener
0: thanks thanks
1: hedy lamar <laughs> thanks
0: eddie lamar so this is it's a secret ra- this qu- cracked me up because i i heard it and then i literally wrote it and then after i wrote it i went oh my god it's a same secret random complex pattern it's a random pattern random patch yeah (laughs) um but it's basically a set of instructions for switching between communication frequencies that the rules both had and they were but they both agree on it so it kind
1: of is a pattern
0: yeah yeah um and so it's going to communicate in perfect synchronization this is it so even if the enemy found one of the signals they wouldn't know where it was going to jump next so they couldn't sync it they couldn't get to it right so this is it it's going to solve everything they they used 88 frequency signals just like a piano and they applied for a patent in 1940. the press went berserk the press hears about this and they go berserk they're like war you know it's problem solved by pianist and actress and blah blah blah." here's the key
1: that you need to know yes
0: so um they got their patent on august 11th 1942. they the pianist antel goes to the government and the government was like, yeah, yeah, piano guy, pretty girl, thanks. No thanks. We got, we got this. It. Yeah, said no, rejected the idea. Isn't that crazy? Okay. So she said, whatever. Okay, I guess I'll go back to acting and getting married. <laughs> so she has acting, so she goes back to acting. Um, she was very sad because she always feels like her brain was much less valued than her beauty. All she was was a pretty face um in 1942 she makes white cargo right after she turned 28 on the set she meets a fabulous english actor who was a quite a playboy she was introduced to him by betty davis his name was john loader she's got betty davis eyes yes so she meets john loader and guess what they do they get married they get married on april 27th 1943 they left the hollywood life and they're going to have a simple life and they're going to get um just raise their children and just be happy and blah 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 she's in the movies; she's just doing you know movies here and there um in 1945 they have a daughter named denise and immediately after they have a little boy named anthony so now she's got three kids and turns out that hubby john Loder lotter or whatever how you pronounce it not much of a worker he wants to kind of stay home and be taken care of so he wants a sugar mama yeah so here she's having to work hard she's the breadwinner and she's having to take care of everything and she's like why am i doing this for us when i could just do this for myself she's getting fewer roles she's having a harder time making things happen so she um war ends wars over in 1945 he this was funny so on christmas and not funny but sad on christmas in 1945 Hetty says to john john i'm pregnant and i want a divorce and he takes his pipe out of his mouth and says you're a cold-hearted bitch puts his pipe back in his mouth and keeps reading his (laughs) book so she leaves him
1: that's the end of it that's they're divorced by july he seems pretty cold too though to do that
0: totally totally i worked in um Family law department once, and I remember this one. I was reading a diso, a dissolution agreement, a thing that has to go with them to talk about what's going on. And I guess this one, this one, this man walked over to his wife, took a long drag on a cigarette, took it out of his mouth, put it out in his pe- in her pizza that was on her plate, and said, "So I think this over. I want a divorce." And he walked <laughs> off. <laughs> oh my god.
1: K okay, bye.
0: K okay, bye. So she divorces him, husband number three. And now she's a single mom of three. And she's 33. And she, I think this is when she puts them in boarding school. I don't remember. but So she ships all three kids off. Maybe she waits until she gets married to the next guy. Um, In 1947, she is cast in Samson and Delilah by Cecil B. DeMille. And this is, the, she's the perfect Delilah. She's got that exotic beauty and, you know, so she does awesome in Delilah. It is the highest grossing film of the time. It gets two Oscars, but she's 35 and by 1947, somebody else has come along the scene and she is not a dark haired beauty. She is a blonde bombshell. Oh. So the um, style of beauty is changing. And Hetty is having a harder time getting rules, and she's also thirty-five.
1: I mean, I go love to go back to being thirty-five, but right.
0: right. But apparently, that was not that was old. Yeah. So June eleventh, nineteen fifty-one, Todd stouffer who's quite a ladies' man. He's a nightclub owner. He's a jazz guy. Sounds like a douche. He's a thing. They get married. (laughs) todd Stoford. <laughs> but this is interesting so she meets him in 1949 she visits him in acapulco where he's living the playboy high life but they don't get married until 1951 douche bag totally um so she dated him for two years before she married him instead of you know a month but oh this is the one where she had to be the breadwinner okay strike that way reverse back. it yeah reverse it different playboy that she married because the other guy didn't to sound too winner. bad no he was an he was the english actor so they were acting together so this is the one where she has to be the breadwinner and this is where she now sends the kids to boarding school so she's annoyed that she has to be the breadwinger she can't get any jobs because she's old and out old quote unquote at 35 and not the normal beauty now so she moves back to beverly hills in 1942 and puts all three kids in boarding school that's where i wrote because she said she was pregnant and wanted a divorce but there's only three kids not four kids so i don't know what happened to that pregnant not sure it didn't say Oops. so she puts them all in boarding school they don't like it or um,
1: it could have just been only three of them were school-aged
0: that could be that could be so she was kind of like she loved the idea of being a mom but she didn't necessarily like the day-to-day trouble of it um james was in tr- the adopted boy was in trouble a lot she finally at one point when he's in school said you're not my son anymore and he was uh. yeah he was taken in by his teacher they didn't speak for 40 oh, years oh my
1: goodness that's terrible That's
0: horrible i would be that teacher that would take the kid home yes but to have like one of the most famous actresses in the world is your mom and she says yeah you're not my kid anymore bye sad 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 that's so yeah. isolating yeah so she's cruising along and she's tired of being the breadwinner so in she divorces hubby number four in march of 1952 and she says he beats her so i don't know she's still having trouble getting roles she's running out of money in december of 1953 she
1: meets j howard lee number five number five (laughs) I'm trying to remember back to the (laughs) one, two, three. Still remember four. (laughs) We're not done yet.
0: So she meets Jay Howard Lee, who is a oil baron and he's a millionaire. And they settled down in Texas and she is a oil baron's wife. They stayed married until 1958. So they were married for five years. Oh, that's good. And when she leaves him, she takes a very large sum of money with her. You know, good for her and she stays single for four whole years four whole years well yeah
1: i mean she had a lot to process after being with someone for five, five years. years that's like a long-term a long marriage
0: she's probably stayed with him longer than she lived with any of her kids <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> i'm horrible she was fabulous she was wonderful she was very you know smart so she marries then she meets husband number six his name was lewis bays boys my handwriting was really sloppy by this time Junior, who happened to be her divorce lawyer on march 4th 1963 they were only married for a year before she divorces him in 1954 oh but she's alone now and she's she's done she's 50 and she's done so she doesn't she's been in court you know divorce court all the time in 1966 she goes to court again but not for a divorce she goes to court because she was charged with shoplifting on January 27th, 1966, she stole $86 worth of stuff from the May Company. She seemed very confused and bewildered by the whole thing. They oh, actually no. played. Yeah, they sad. They actually, I listened to a tape of um, part of her interrogation or, or something where she's talking about it. And they're like, but you had the stuff in your handbag. And she's like, handbag? I had a handbag? She just had, like, clueless. Oh, that's sad. I don't know if it was an act or if she was really clueless. But I don't know. So she's very confused, bewildered the whole time. The trial lasted, shoplifting, $86 worth of stuff. The trial lasted
1: eight days. There would be no trial today. No. Ever.
0: Um, but she was found not guilty after five hours of deliberation. People talked about this for five hours and then found her not guilty. She was found not guilty because she was heading Lamar. Well, whether she did or not, she was found yeah, not
1: guilty. It's crazy.
0: Yeah so by the 1970s her health is failing she's out of money she's doing plastic surgery to try and maintain her beauty and it's failing miserably it's just she's looking kind of scary and bad Um, by the early 1980s she's completely housebound she's living on her own doesn't have anything to do with any of her children and most people who live near her don't even know who she is oh sad. she's just the old lady living next door so in the 1990s there was a tiny little invention called the cell phone.
1: I remember. Yes, and the
0: cell phone needed a way to communicate wirelessly without interference. So they went and looked up some old patents and things and they found a system called Code Division, which with multi- code division multiple access C D M A. As the industry standard and it was very very close to and basically a modern version of frequency hopping or spread spectrum that Hetty and the piano guy George had invented so guess who gets a whole
1: lot of money I'm gonna guess Hetty and the piano man
0: yeah Hetty and the piano man so they get their their idea for torpedoes was used in creating cell phones Austria uses her birthday, August 11th, or whatever I said it was, as National Inventors Day. In the 80s, she's being recognized for her fame and her brain, everything she always wanted. She's got money again. She's reconnecting with her kids. Wi-Fi, cell phones, everything that we use was because of this invention. She died a multimillionaire um, and left her estranged children lots and lots of money. She died in on August 19th, 2000, she was 85 but this wasn't her only invention she wanted to during the war because and i heard an interview on this too coca-cola was very hard to get it was very sparse so she wanted tried to invent a cube that you could drop in regular water and it would make it coca-cola
1: i would actually still really love that
0: yes well she tried and everything she tried made it tastes like alka-seltzer she just couldn't get it Ugh. which makes sense because alka-seltzer fizzes like that mm-hmm. so i guess whatever ingredient they use you have to use to get that fizz and mm-hmm. it has that taste um howard hughes when she was starring on a howard hughes's movies he gave her a chem lab on set and a smaller version of the chem lab for inside her trailer so she could work on her experiments and things there
1: did you ever have a chemistry set as I a did child have i a chemistry did set
0: as a child Ugh, did you make anything explode
1: I made a lot of things fizz over and I made a lot of mess
0: <laughs> kind of like child number two's birthday
1: party when we did the yes in.
0: how yes. fun did you make anything stink
1: probably I don't remember oh, I like because I was salt. very like I always wanted to save everything I didn't uh-huh. want to use it all up right I too. So, yeah she always said that she took
0: up inventing to help with her boredom so I think that she was just one of those people that was just too smart for her own good. Yeah. And would just get bored easily. In 1997, she received the Electronic Transfer Foundation Pioneer Award and the Bobo Guinness Spirit of Achievement Something Award for her contribution to contribution to society. Um, she and Antel were posthumously inducted into the Inventors Hall of Fame in 2014. She was arrested again for shoplifting. Oh, goodness. Yeah, this time in 1991. So, like, right before she's going to get a bunch of money, she was stealing eye drops and laxatives in Florida. Oh, that's for, even
1: the saddest thing ever. Yeah,
0: for a total of $21.48. Oh. And then she became this, you know, luckily they gave her the credit for it. She had to, uh, what? I don't know what that was um oh hide in a brothel that's what that was i saw an interview with her on the merv griffin show this was really kind of cool she was on the merv griffin show with um dinah shore and woody allen in the 1960s she's gorgeous just still absolutely stunning even in the 1960s old and she's talking about all this stuff she tells these crazy stories she this is when she said that she didn't know that they had zoom lenses mm-hmm. and that scene was never supposed to be in the movie she was very um she would contradict herself a lot she would say like no i didn't say that because merv griffin asked her something about her autobiography and she's like no i never said that and oh is um here's ecstasy something about her autobiography ecstasy and she says i didn't write that And he said, but it was but in her, autobi- her autobiography she said no i didn't write that one i wrote here's Hetty, but i didn't write ecstasy oh like, wow okay whatever go ahead she told a story on the set about jimmy stewart um, reading her her lines from the stairs apparently at the time she was in three movies at one time she was running around like a crazy person who couldn't memorize her lines and so jimmy stewart read her lines to her every time i think of jimmy set. stewart
1: i think of the cartoon version that was always in the warner brothers <laughs> films i don't actually even really know if i know what he looks like that's
0: funny i just
1: know what he looks like from the warner brothers cartoons. i always think
0: of the bunny movie but so that's Hedy Lamar. She was this gorgeous beauty movie star and Brains she did everything. Like ev- what you're doing right now is thanks to Hedy Lamar. Thanks, Hedy Lamar. Thanks, Hedy Lamar. All right, can I get another cocktail before we.
1: Yeah. Okay, so, so I,
0: what are you telling me about?
1: So I have a story about Irene Garza. She was murdered
0: uh uh-huh. Was she beauty or was she brains?
1: She was brains and beauty. Ooh. So she was a beauty queen and a teacher. Ooh. She was born in nineteen. Not, what's her name? Who's what's her name? From that podcast,
0: the one with the up and vanished.
1: Uh, she was a
0: beauty queen and a teacher.
1: Too much. Too done. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> Irene Garza was born in 1934. Uh-huh. Her parents owned a dry cleaning business in McAllen, Texas, which is on the southern border of Texas. Okay. So in 1958, she was crowned Miss All-South Texas Sweetheart, and she was also homecoming queen at Pan American College. Aww. At the time of her death, she was a second-grade teacher, and she taught indigent students at an elementary school in McAllen. Oh, that's a nice thing to do. Yeah. She took her Catholic faith very seriously, and she attended Mass and communion every day. On April 16, 1960, garza who lived with her parents told them that she was going to confession at sacred heart church in McAllen, which was her church okay and because of her striking beauty several parishioners remembered seeing her at the church that night i think i've heard of this one i've heard i had heard of it before i researched it and then once i researched it i found out more so yeah it's it's out there but it's not like tara grinstead where right everybody everybody, everybody knows it when Garza did not return home that night, her parents at first thought she had stayed for midnight mass because it was actually the night before Easter. So, oh, okay. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. When she did not return home by 3 a.m., her parents went to the McAllen Police Department to report her missing because that was just so uncharacteristic of yeah. her. Well, midnight mass gets over at 1. Yeah. So then April 18th, which was two days later, a passerby found Garza's purse, her left shoe, And her lace veil strewn across, strewn across a road, just like a country road. And it was like a ways, like yards between them. So they conducted an extensive search and they used emergency officials and volunteers and had not been able to find any sign of Garza at the time. So the Garza family received a call right after that from a woman claiming to be Irene stating that she had been kidnapped and taken to a hotel that call was later found to be a hoax (laughs) I was gonna say that's very odd it's very odd and it's sad that people do that so I was
0: probably like in fourth or fifth grade and mother was in a really bad car accident like should have died bad bad so she's in the hospital and my grandparents in Fort Bragg received a call from someone claiming to be me and my best friend becky and we were telling them about how sharon was fine and she was out of the hospital and everything was going along perfect and we couldn't wait to come visit them that summer and blah 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 blah.
1: that's odd and it was not us it and this was in the 80s that's so so, there's not like the internet
0: that you can just find all this out
1: on no it was bizarre someone knew you yeah and knew how to get a hold of your parents. Uh-huh. Or your grandparents. So, April 21st, Irene Garza's body was found in a canal and it was several miles away from all the other evidence that had previously been discovered. Oh. The medical examiners were able to determine that she had died of suffocation, she had also been raped while she was unconscious and she was also beaten. She had bruising over both of her eyes and on the right side of her face. How
0: did they know that she was unconscious? I don't know <laughs> because they, I mean, she's dead. You can't ask her unless she, well, I don't know. But anyway, that's sad.
1: So any of the physical evidence that might've been identified, that might've helped identify the attacker appeared to have been washed away in the canal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So law enforcement, So there was water in it. She was in the canal. And she, there was water in the canal. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause there's not necessarily water in a canal. True.
1: True dat. True dat. We live China. in California land of drought, so often canals are dry. Exactly. Or the LA River is often dry. Exactly. So the law enforcement officials question about 500 people. They also question known sex offenders. They questioned Garza's family, her co-workers, her ex-boyfriends, and they administered almost 50 polygraph exams. Mm-hmm. They also offered a $2,500 reward for information about her death, and a South Texas businessman also later posted $10,000 of reward money, trying to figure out any information leading to who was responsible for her death. Yeah. The priest- And how old was she? young, Young.
0: Young. And this is the 30s, right?
1: The 60s.
0: Oh, why did I think
1: 30s? She was born in the 30s. Oh, okay. So, hold on i'll look it up yeah it was
0: 1960 so
1: she's 20s yeah so the priest who heard her last confession was father john feet and he quickly came under suspicion he was 24 years old and he had been assigned to the church after completing his seminary in uh, san antonio
0: i remember this now
1: yeah i had oh, heard this I it think, makes me sad i feel like it was like an unsolved mysteries or something it was like that something yeah
0: maybe that's where i remember it because it was on that unsolved mysteries recap show that we listen to i think it
1: must have been an unsolved mysteries oh let's watch unsolved mysteries later okay okay so feet initially denied hearing irene's confession that night but he later admitted that he had actually done so mm. church members he didn't forget that church members reported that night that father feet his confession line was moving very slowly and that he was away from the sanctuary several times he said that he was absent several times because he had broken his glasses and he had to drive back to the pastoral house to get another pair but and you
0: don't bother to tell the people in line that
1: You're I mean do it. he further said that once he got to the pastoral house he forgot his keys he had to climb into the house through the second floor window and that he had scratches on his hands because he had climbed through the window
0: I've climbed through a lot of windows I've never gotten scratched on my hand because typically the glass is not out of the frame
1: I also feel like if you had to account for time and you truly did have to go back to get your glasses no matter how you got in the house wouldn't you just say I had to go back and get my glasses yeah and leave it at that and not be like but also I had to climb up to the second floor because I forgot my keys and then once I was up there then I got scratches on my yes yeah he's explaining things that haven't been questioned yeah And also, if you had a line of people waiting, wouldn't you say, hey, I can't read this. Give me a second. Also, do you not, you don't read stuff during confession, right? You really don't. Because you either. I mean, I don't know. I've never been a priest. I've never been a priest either. But all the priests listening, I'm sure will let us know. But I'm assuming (laughs) that you just listen to people and then you tell them how many Hail Marys or like whatever they need to do to atone.
0: Not sure you're reading stuff. Yeah. And I love how you are assuming that priests are listening to our show. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so the mccallan police department initially said that feet had passed a polygraph exam but tests were later said to be inconclusive hmm. and then three weeks before How good was your polygraphs in the 60s they were good same oh. same technology oh. so we'll hear more about that in a little bit but anyway three weeks before garza's death another woman reported being sexually assaulted while kneeling at communion at another catholic church in town
0: well that's suspicious
1: rumor had it that father john feet was responsible for this attack and local church leaders discouraged people from even thinking that a police could have been responsible so priest is that what i said you said police oh priest still sad either way (laughs) i know
0: hmm but i okay so the church officials are saying don't even think that a priest could be responsible right oh
1: my god and feet admitted that he'd been a visiting priest at that church that day but he denied being responsible for that attack so i was there but it wasn't me yeah feet was ultimately charged with rape but the trial resulted in a hung jury and then later instead of a second whoa
0: whoa 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 whoa. he was charged with i thought it was just a an
1: assault I didn't know he full-on raped a woman well they didn't go into detail but they called it an assault and then later he was charged with rape interesting so I don't have all the detail on that one like yeah. you, you could probably find it if you look at court records but anyway so it resulted in a hung jury and then later instead of a second trial he pled no contest to a misdemeanor charge and paid a 500 hundred dollar fine hmm so after his conviction the church sent him to a trappist monastery in missouri and a monk there whose name was dale tackery was told by an abbot that feet had killed someone and he asked tackery to counsel feet oh counsel him he committed murder just counsel him. not even counsel him about committing murder but just counsel him to try to determine if he had the correct disposition to be a monk
0: i don't think he does (laughs) there's not too many monk murders. it was like around. hey
1: this guy that just came in he killed someone what i'd like you to do is talk to him and see if he has the right disposition to be a monk see
0: if he fits the job description oh my god
1: yeah so it's more absurd than you even thought that's insane so takri said that feet confessed to murdering one woman and hurting another and holy he, crap why is this idiot not in jail he didn't report Tackney didn't report any of this to authorities at that time for whatever reason and Taffney is the monk yes okay so he just
0: didn't bother telling me oh that's not important I don't need to tell anybody
1: but he was able to determine that feet did not have the disposition to be a monk and
0: well yeah yeah I, I I don't know many monks but the ones I have met none of them seem like murderers to we've me. met a
1: few we've met a few
0: yeah and they don't seem like murderers to me typically they're very jolly and pouring us wine yes which we love yes
1: so feet was then sent to new mexico and he was sent to a treatment retreat for troubled priests there's a treatment for murder you can go to rehab for murder apparently the catholic church thinks that treatment is available in a retreat setting in beautiful new mexico
0: okay i'm yeah let's go i'm sorry i have to go to
1: rehab for murder it's i've got a murder addiction
0: i've got to go to rehab i murdered
1: someone so i'm gonna go to this retreat for 30 days It's going to be really relaxing. Yeah, you're not going to want to murder anybody when you get out. Is it like drug
0: rehab where they confiscate all your murder weapons when you walk in the...
1: I'm sorry, you can't (laughs) strangle anyone here because... We're going to take your (laughs) garrote. You can get it back when you get out.
0: (laughs) Let's see. Okay, you checked a bowie knife, a garrote,
1: and a six-shot revolver. There you go. (laughs) Yep. Oh and a lead pipe <laughs> and a rope and a candelabra. <laughs> Clue, y'all. Oh, there was something with it. There was something with a candelabra. Speaking of that, where they had oh, found the church's candelabra somewhere near the area where they found Irene's belongings. No kidding. Yeah.
0: So they find her veil that she wore in confession. Something else and a church candelabra. Yeah. But the priest didn't
1: do it. The priest didn't do it. Oh, my God. Yeah so anyway feet he took to the place so yeah. he ended up working his way up Rehab's to cool. a supervisory role in the center Oh, so he stayed after his thirty-day
0: yeah. mandatory murder rehab. He stayed. He stayed. To become a murder counselor.
1: Yeah, and so he was even responsible for clearing another priest, Father James Porter, for placement in another parish, even after Father James Porter was known to have been molesting children. Oh, well, that's totally different than murder. That's totally different. Yeah, you can go back. You amongst check your people. children. Check your children at the door. You get them back when you leave. <laughs>
0: We're going to hell. <laughs>
1: So Father James Porter was later defrocked, and he was imprisoned for abusing as many as a hundred children. Well, good. So some of those, I'm sure, were thanks to Father Feet. Yeah,
0: for releasing him. You're not killing women. It's fine. Go.
1: Yeah, you're fine. Of
0: course, I think this guy would probably think it was okay to kill women because you know he's
1: done it. So then, in the 1970s, Feet left the priesthood. He got married, moved to Phoenix or the phoenix area he
0: found a woman that was worth having sex with and then
1: letting her live he let her live yeah wow mm-hmm. yeah novel idea so then in 2002 tacni decided that he couldn't keep the secret of Feat's confession any longer even though it had whoa, been whoa, like whoa, 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 36 whoa. years he confessed to
0: this other priest person that was seeing if he was fit for the yeah the monk the monk during their counseling i'm using air quotes he actually confessed
1: to him well no he didn't he confessed to um well yeah he confessed to killing a woman and abusing another woman wow but tacany thought he
0: holds this on this for 30 years
1: over 30 years yeah wow so tacany thought that this had all happened in san antonio so he called authorities and reported it but he wasn't in the right area, so it didn't really go anywhere. But then, luckily, later in 2002, there was a Texas Ranger investigator named Rudy Jaramillo who reopened the case. Okay. Well, that's a whole lot later than 1970s. It's And it happened in 1960. Wow. Yeah. So Jaramillo contacted another priest, Father O'Brien. I wonder
0: what made him reopen it. Just, hey, this hasn't well, been Well, the
1: family was very... Um, prominent like they kept asking for justice for her because they knew that something had happened and since but i can't imagine her
0: parents are still alive
1: um well i don't know if her parents were still alive at this time but her um other family like her cousins and stuff good on them yeah so jerry contacted another priest father o'brien who worked with feet at the time of Irene Garza's murder Uh and O'Brien said originally that he didn't know anything about Garza's death but later when Jaramillo questioned him he said that he had always suspected feet and he also admitted that feet had confessed to him shortly after the murder that he had done it
0: and he just holds on to this for yeah by this time what 40 years 50 years i mean
1: and i'm not excusing any of this by any means but you have to think like the climate and like everything in the catholic church at that time was cover 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 very 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 yeah so like
0: and there is the whole you know you know that thing where they don't tell what you tell them
1: yeah like confidential yes
0: that's it there's the whole confidentiality thing but you'd think murder would trump that
1: i would think so so then also later in 2002 the polygraph examiner who originally tested feet in 1960 said that he had always questioned how the results were reported because he felt that feet had failed the test and that's not how it was reported by the police which to me is strange because if you're the professional you're the polygraph examiner What you write on a piece of paper or what you say should be what the result is, not what the police decide to put out.
0: Unless you are being bought off by the Catholic Church, too.
1: Yeah, that's possible. I didn't think of that. So then 2004, finally, after Jeremillo had conducted his investigation, the case was brought before a grand jury. Tackany, O'Brien, and Feet were all not subpoenaed, and the grand jury eventually declined to even indict Feet at all even in
0: 2002
1: after all of this they still don't indict him they still don't indict him so he got away with murder so far so 10 years later fast forward to 2014 oh i have to also mention between 2004 and i'm not sure how much before that and 2014 there was the same da that was in charge and she didn't think there was enough evidence so then in 2014 ricardo roger ricardo rodriguez won election as district attorney and one of his main platforms was to use garza's case as an issue and he vowed justice for the family and he had also been contacted by the family and like made aware that this is very important and we uh-huh. want this solved and there's been a cover-up so he was elected and he made it his mission to get to the bottom of it Good. So finally in 2016 Feet was arrested in Scottsdale, Arizona. He was 83 years old. He, was, he had to use a walker, which I don't care. Yeah. And in his first court appearance, Feet told the judge, quote unquote, the whole thing makes no sense to me because the crime in question took place in 1960.
0: Oh, that's right. There's a statute of limitations on murder.
1: Oh, yeah. Except there's not.
0: Except there's not. And... It makes no sense to me. Why should I be prosecuted for killing a girl in 1960?
1: Fifty-seven years ago.
0: Ugh.
1: So feet. Disgusting. Feet Feet was ultimately sentenced to life in prison, and although so twenty-eight days. No, he was. (laughs) He was actually sentenced to life. (laughs) Right, but he's so old. He's so old. So, and I thought this was interesting. So, although the prosecution had asked for a sentence of fifty-seven years, which was the amount of time that had passed since Garza's death the jury ultimately selected life in prison i think so that,
0: if it were a you know young man it would be longer
1: yes yeah but for him i think 57 would have been so much more fitting
0: yes and it's not like he's gonna
1: get out anyway because he ain't gonna be a lad no and he had cancer and like he had a lot of problems like it wasn't like he was a healthy 84 year old yeah and well. i mean 84 year olds don't live for 57 years anyway yeah. but god
0: she wished cancer on anyone but it couldn't happen to a better guy. yeah he had
1: like throat cancer and something else and i'm not sad
0: no so that's that's karma right there you strangle someone you get throat cancer
1: well and you hear all the time about all these cover-ups happening with um relation to like molestation and everything yeah but they straight up were complicit in covering up a murder
0: yeah the the one guy held on to it for and he was a monk not even a priest
1: yeah, and he I mean,
0: still held on to it for that many years.
1: Well, and the other priest too was sure that he had done it. That's crazy. It's sad. It's really sad. Brains and beauty gone too soon.
0: Oh, thanks for bringing me down, man. I know.
1: Jeez. We're gonna have to go have some wine to bring us up.
0: We're gonna have to go have some wine to bring us up. Something, something. Maybe are we better? Exp- are we experts at drinking wine?
1: We're experts at drinking wine, but <laughs> not much else. Because <laughs> no. basically, we're just drunks Drunks. hey so if you like us you can always let us know uh rate review
0: any podcast catcher or whatever you call them that you listen to us on leave us a
1: rating and a review it would really help yeah and if you have any comments or suggestions email us at crimeandtimeotr at gmail.com cocktail suggestions send us cocktail suggestions that would be fun yeah we've been we've been getting a lot and we love them but keep them coming
0: yeah another way to get a hold of us at for twitter is at time and crime
1: yeah instagram we're also at crime and time and
0: check out our facebook page we always post little hints of the cocktail that's coming up and just fun little things and that is crime and time on the rocks or at crime and time otr
1: yeah we'd love to hear from you let us know cheers thank you for listening